Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On June 6, 1944, the sea was rough along the French coast of Normandy. The tide was higher than expected, and the wind blew hard against the sandy beaches. In the early hours of the morning, ships emerged from the darkness. From the battered vessels sprang wave after wave of soldiers who were almost immediately cut down by German forces hunkered down along the shoreline. Those that weren't shot mostly drowned in the tumultuous waters. The dark skies were filled with the shadows of massive planes and gliders. They circled the beaches, which were lit up with machine gun fire, and in the heavy winds, pushed out their precious cargo. Soldiers pinned down by German artillery and bullets looked to the sky as jeeps suspended from multiple olive drab parachutes descended towards them. They rushed to the tiny ancestors of the modern jeep and rejoiced as they instantly started when they stomped on the ignition button mounted on the floor by the pedals. The lightweight 4x4s, shorter and skinnier than an OG Miata, sailed along the sandy ground and bounded over hills. Their gunners grabbed the 50 caliber machine guns mounted in front of the back seat and returned fire onto the Nazis that held the beach. The little jeeps had turned the tide and America stood tall and proud. How did the jeep teach Europe what freedom was really about? Why are they now the wrong vehicle for every job? General Dwight D. Eisenhower referred to the jeep as one of the tools that won World War II and last year US News and World Report ranked the Jeep Wrangler as the worst subcompact SUV you could ever buy. Today on Pass Gas, we're going to find out what the hell happened to the Jeep. Pass Gas Podcast. It's about cars, it's not about ports. I feel like we're going to get a lot of backlash from this episode. Yeah. I just want to let everyone out there know that I've really enjoyed the past six years of uh being an automotive um entertainer and <laughs> you know if this is the way we go out this is the way we go out hey i mean that wasn't us calling it the worst subcompact suv that was u.s news and world report yeah we can't be held accountable for anything that that we say <laughs> yeah we we're just puppets <laughs> look it's no secret that Jeeps are great off-road, obviously, but... No one is arguing that. We're on your side, Jeep owners. Yes. If you've rented a Jeep, if you've driven a Jeep, you know that they're not the best on the road. I want to give a shout out before we get into it to my friend Ryan Levenhagen, his good friend from long, long time ago. He just doesn't learn, man. He's, he's on his second Jeep. He got delivery of it. It was a brand new Jeep. 
and he immediately had to take it into the shop for like an engine rebuild. <laughs> it what? was like like within two weeks had to. Had oh, to- my God. See, that's what we're talking about here. I uh, my, when I was a kid, my nickname was Jeep. My whole family called me Jeep. Cause oh, your initials, right? Yeah, J E P Jeep. What's your second middle name? Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Pass Gas, everybody. This is a Jeep podcast today. I'm your host Nolan Sykes, joined as always by the other hosts of this program. We've got James Pumphrey. Toot toot, baby, baby, toot toot. <laughs> and Joe Weber. Keep it juiced. And uh, gentlemen, we've already kind of touched on it, but what is your overall impression of the Jeep brand? What 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 are your thoughts on it? What are your feelings? What is your history with this with this long standing company? My dad had a CJ seven. Um, I loved it. it. Had an LSU sticker on the on the roll bar. Um, used to ride in the back. Sometimes we'd take the doors off. Me and my sisters would be back there with a blanket. Great memory. <laughs> nice. Um, MacGyver drove one. Always thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Contrary to our Instagram presence, I have nothing to do with our Instagram rather uh, other than like some consulting. Um, I like Jeeps. I think they're fine. Uh, we went off-road in Colorado a few months ago, and most of the trucks on the trail were Jeeps. Yes, they and were. I think that the fact that something like a Jeep still exists is a very cool thing. It's super and, cool. And uh, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like people are like cars keep getting bigger the, and like, you know, greenhouses in the car keep getting smaller and like belt lines keep getting higher and visibility keeps getting worse. And everyone says that's because of safety. And in a world like that, I don't know how Jeeps are still legal and allowed <laughs> to exist. And I appreciate that. So I, I am a Jeep fan. Whoa. I will say it. On the record. Wow. I will okay. say it. I like Jeeps. That's a, I mean, that's a really good point, James. My experience with Jeeps, I drove my first Jeep maybe a couple years ago same dude ryan uh had a 2007 wrangler i loved it from the get-go it was a lot slower than i imagined it. i don't know why i thought it would be fast but like man it's a slow car you can get it with a v8 now yeah so i'm i'm a big fan of them uh and you know i'm, I'm talking smack about the reliability of it but honestly i was looking at an xj before I bought my Forerunner, but I went with the Forerunner because I thought it would be more reliable. And then I had to wait for six months for an engine rebuild. So, well, that was because you your mechanic was a shady. I don't think he was a shady. Well, I mean, he didn't have, he didn't do anything to the car before I bought it. So it, it's you know I I went with what I thought was a more reliable version, and then it turned out to be unreliable. So I'm saying, what do we even know anymore? Nothing matters. <laughs> it's like the great. James Hetfield said, nothing else matters. <laughs> he did say that. He did say that. So, all right. Well, let's get into it. In war, transportation is a crucial component of strategy. During the late 1930s, Americans who were hanging out in Germany watched as the Nazi soldiers zipped around in their Zundop KS750 motorcycles, complete with sidecar. The Nazis would roll up to the scene, and one of them, clutching their Steiermannlicher Maschinen Pistol 40, would <laughs> hop out of the sidecar quickly, do his awful Nazi business, then jump back in and zip away. Uncle Sam saw how nimble they were and wanted himself some of that action. 
Back in the 1930s, G.I. Joe was rolling around in multi-ton trucks as they left actual horses behind. But they hadn't scared up a replacement for ponies yet that could handle the diversity of terrain in a battlefield. Dodge, Ford, and even Mack truck were dumping giant heavy trucks on the post-World War I scene, but they weren't good enough. America needed better. These things were just super blocky and heavy. Probably skinny tires just sinking into the mud. <laughs> yeah, tires probably so skinny. Just so skinny back then. It, no, it, <laughs> it's so skinny just sinking into mud. Floating up from the Army Brass brainstorming sessions was an idea for a small car that had a low, doorless body that troops could pop in and out of while popping caps in Nazis. The U.S. military, which lacked creativity, were picturing some sort of topless sedan, something like a doorless, roofless Ford Taurus. The military announced they're going to make somebody rich with millions of ordered vehicles if they saw the right prototype. They passed over a ton of goofy designs and eventually had stars in their eyes when they saw the Blitz buggy prototype designed by Carl Probst at the tiny Bantam car company in Butler, Pennsylvania. Shout out Butler, Pennsylvania, dude. Go Titans. I'm just taking a swing. I don't know what their, <laughs> their team is. Go Cougars. Probst had designed the little Jeep in an 18-hour marathon sketching session after hearing the requirements put forth by Uncle Sam. Just sketching away. Carl, don't you want to eat your soup? No. <laughs> I'm sketching. Yeah, graphite pencil in one hand, freaking corn cob pipe in the other. I mean, honestly, the fact that it took this guy 18 hours to draw a Jeep. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's a rectangle in two circles. Yeah, <laughs> tracks. <laughs> With pencil and paper turned into a prototype, the army was totally blown away. The 1,840-pound buggy was sturdy like a wombat. The only shortcoming in the Army's eyes was the motor. The Army snatched the beloved Bantam design out of Probst's lead-stained hands and gave it to the fellas at Willis Overland, who were known for their snazzy passenger cars and great engines. They tasked Joseph Frazier with improving the four-cylinder so the troops wouldn't have to worry about giving the buggy too many beans and blowing it out. Baby, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. Frazier. <laughs> Frazier called upon ex-Studebaker chief engineer Delmar Barney Roos Hell yeah. to, to perfect the motor design. Roos threw two years of R&D time at the engine block, and with some tougher alloys, aluminum pistons, and a lightweight flywheel, he pulled it off. He wound up creating the Go Devil Willis inline four. It was a 134 cubic inch block with an L-head design with parallel valves. The Go Devil made 60 horsepower at 4,000 RPM nice. and a stump ripping 105 foot-pounds of torque at 2,000 RPM with 6.48 to 1 compression. That's, that's such low compression. That's super low. Dude, Whoa. that's reliability, boys. That's true. That's true. The Army was so impressed by the performance of the prototype that they took the Bantam design Willis had improved on and handed it right over to Henry Ford so he could start churning out the Nazi-stomping Jeeps. Because if you want anyone designing something to fight Nazis, it's Henry Ford. <laughs> yeah, let me stop writing my anti-Semitic uh, newspaper. Yeah. Okay, so apparently at Ford, there's a vault that holds all of their like film like every ford commercial every you know it's like a media vault and there's a safe inside the vault that has film 
of Henry Ford hanging out with Hitler. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah, I think they should have been tipped off when the key to the Jeep was a swastika. <laughs> <laughs> why would you hold on to something like that? Why not just like destroy it? Because I think at some point, like they're like, it's kind of cool. <laughs> the the um, when they started the Jeep, a little voice said, uh, "Let's go easy on them, boys." <laughs> <laughs> They've got some fair points. Oh, yeah, man. there's good guys over there. <laughs> <laughs> the trains run on time. We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. However, the times were a-changing over at Ford. By the time the military put in their order, Hitler's favorite auto manufacturer had been sidelined at the Detroit plant due to dementia. His company, on the other hand, was ready to rock and roll and start pumping out Jeeps that they were now giving the politically not-so-correct name of Ford Pygmies. Ford, using Willie's exact design, cobbled together 640,000 Jeeps during World War II. And despite Willie's a bit, they stamped an F on literally every component of the trucks, including the bolt heads. Whoa. It seems like that would have hindered production. They also stamped Ford across the back like they were sending them to dealerships and not to hand Hitler a big freedom-sized ass kicking. Willie saw what Ford was doing and in turn started writing Willie's across their tailgates until the government told them both to knock it off and stop advertising on their <laughs> war machines. That's awesome. The Jeeps cost Uncle Sam $782.59 per unit, or about $12,000 today. For comparison, today, the military drives armored joint-like tactical vehicles, basically Hummers, and they cost them over $400,000 to produce per unit. You could buy eight decked-out Jeep Gladiators for that cost. It's... Yeah, this is the the military industrial complex. Like right 
like now a hammer costs twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> the jeeps were handed out like candy. Every branch got their hands on them and started customizing them for their own purposes. Some were designed for sawmilling and others as firefighting pumpers and tractors. And some were even designed to lay pipe in the fields. Hey. Hey. Oh. Ford got a bit more clever and popped some train wheels on Jeeps and sent them zipping down tracks. They also designed a seep or a sea Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> which was an amphibious model, as you could have guessed, that sucked as a boat and was made even worse as an off-road vehicle uh, because it had big, goofy-ass boat bits uh, clattering around as it bumped over ruts and potholes. I bet it looks like an upside-down house. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. <laughs> but no matter how ridiculous you made Jeeps look or drive, they did their job well. They were sturdy and nimble machines that stormed Normandy and scared the hell out of Hitler. The mustachioed madman was stuck driving around in the Ferdinand Porsche-designed Kuber wagon, which, which means bucket car in German, <laughs> uh, which is worse than the Jeep in almost every way. It had half the horsepower and 14 more inches of wheelbase. Plus, despite being designed by Ferdinand Porsche, it looked like a bucket. Yeah, these are if you've seen a Volkswagen thing... Yeah. It's basically a military version, one of those. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. had 30 horsepower? That's rough. That's not even enough horsepower for babies. <laughs> <laughs> After the war was won, these Jeeps continued to make an impact. The U.S. left tens of thousands of vehicles scattered across the fields of France and the rest of Europe, not just as a thank you parting gift, but because, you know, shipping things is expensive. <laughs> uh, le Jeep. Eh, uh, le Jeep. Hey, I will fill this with my grips to put it in a bucket and then uh, <laughs> stomp it with my feet and then I will put the juice in a barrel and then I will put the barrel back in my Jeep and then I will take it <laughs> to my cellar and I will put it in a cellar for multiple years and then I will poke a hole in it and I will taste it and I will eat it with cheese. <laughs> You sound like the vampire from What We Do in the Shadows, the like Turkish guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't even need keys to start the Jeeps. French teenagers rejoiced as they took the chance to joyride around town. Oh, hell yeah. Their more responsible parents also took a liking to the light-duty trucks, with many turning the little things into versatile farm vehicles. Pre-war, it was difficult to find a decent tractor in France because Ferruccio Lamborghini was still growing grapes and hadn't started building tractors yet. Within a few months, the Jeeps had been put to work rebuilding France's agricultural industry. Je mets le Jeep. <laughs> we assume they said. What does that mean? It means I like the Jeep. Ah. They said that it start. There's like a starter on next to like the clutch or something. And next to like the it pedals, was a there's like a little foot ignition. Like a little That's button. cool as hell. Yeah. Why, why really don't they bring that back? Hey, John Jeep, if you're listening to me. John Jeep will Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> Wake up, Jeep. Wake Jeeple. up, Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> Once Hitler was dead. Allegedly. And the, oh, and the French are able to breathe free. The American troops also went home with fond memories of their little trucks that carted them around Europe. Up to that point, there weren't many nimble cars on the road. Tastes pre-war had run in favor of giant sedans, predominantly owned by wealthy elites. 
But now the common Joe had a taste for driving freedom and wanted more of it. Look, let's t- uh, let's, let's stop with this Joe slurring, okay? GI Joe, I'm not general There's issue Joe. No such Joe. thing as an average Joe, all right? Yeah. Sloppy Joe, medium Come Joe. On. Joe's are the original Karens. No. Joe's are the original Kyles. Sure. Chad. <laughs> no, we've never been Chads. Sorry, other Joe's listening, but we're not Chads. <laughs> the respect for Jeep was everywhere. Even Enzo Ferrari said that the Jeep was the best sports car America ever made. Now that yeah, I read that out loud. That's a dig. <laughs> I had to, uh, uh, I knew that was this was going to come. Uh, mm-hmm. Supposedly the quote is that um, Enzo said, uh, that the Jeep was the only true American sports car. Um, yeah. And this has been used in like marketing a lot uh-huh. from Jeep and like other places. But it looks like he didn't actually say that. Really? Yeah. That's well, according to Hemmings.com. Who would have made that up? Because even, even if he did say that, I think they don't get the joke. No. I, and that's, he's not saying Jeeps are good. He's saying that like Fords yeah, suck. That's what he's saying. Exactly. He's saying, if he said that at all. Yeah. Willis HQ responded to the demand and doubled down on the Jeep line of vehicles. They obtained the full rights to the Jeep name and started cranking out all kinds of Jeep variants. Willis started with the Jeep station wagon in 1946. And the next year, they started pumping out Jeep trucks that looked like a two-door version of the current Jeep Gladiator. Then in 1948, Willis released the Jeepster, which looked like a cross between an MG and a VW thing. The base model hooked up drivers with what 1940s folks referred to as the deluxe equipment. This included white wall tires, hubcaps, and sun visors. Nice. You throw some white walls on that. That looks pretty swell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This thing is... Uh, dude, let's bring back swell. Swell. That's outstanding. Dude, that, is, dude, outstanding. that car looks swell, dude. Dude, this thing looks, this looks like a car that the great Gatsby ran over that woman with. <laughs> do you always find a way to bring that reference back up the jeepster was what economists call a cash grab and they were hoping there are a bunch of people who wanted an open top roadster but didn't mind if it drove like a piece of farm equipment and much like the jeeps of today you could get a hell of a lot more vehicle by walking across the street to a ford dealership the jeepster had a 1765 dollars price tag but you can get a ford super deluxe that had a real roof, roll-down windows, fancy styling, and a V8 for $1,440, so more than $300 less. And that was a lot back then. The Jeepster was only available in rear-wheel drive, so Jeep enthusiasts at the time found it to be a bit of a bummer. The boxy styling was a turnoff to non-Jeep enthusiasts. So, at the end of the day, there was no real market for the Wii Jeepster, and it fell flat. In many ways, it was the first red flag in the Jeep story and would set the pattern for Jeep shortcomings in the future. Yeah, this thing is dog ugly, dude. It's pretty bad. I bet Max loves it. Oh, for sure. Oh, dude, I found a Jeepster on Craigslist. It's only $17,000. It's only $17,000. I'm going to buy it for my friend Kyle as a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. <laughs> Willis Overland didn't take the lesson to heart. Even though they were selling Jeeps like hotcakes, doubled down on the passenger car market again, and built the Willis Aero Sedan, which looks like the useless offspring of a Bel Air and a Corvair, 
The little car flopped so hard, Willis got sold to Kaiser Motors, who killed the Arrow to refocus on building the Jeeps that everyone loved. I kind of like it. It's like a little Rambler. Oh, interesting. Okay, so this doesn't. This isn't really a Jeep product. It looks like Mickey Mouse's car. <laughs> yeah, this would make a sick drag car for sure. Oh yeah, dude, fly. God, that guy with the big mustache would love this car. Dennis Page, thank you. Great. For the next 20 years, it would be Kaiser pumping out the Jeeps, and they made some of the same mistakes as Willis, using their name, too. And they started developing different iterations of the Jeep, like the CJ, the Gladiator, and they even reintroduced the Jeepster. They caught on a bit better this time around, and they had some moderate success, especially with the Wagoneer. We had a Wagoneer when I was a kid. Oh my God, I'm a Jeep guy! (laughs) (laughs) But as the auto industry does, Kaiser got bought out by AMC in 1970, and they streamlined the models and made the parts interchangeable with their lineup of mediocre cars. Jeep became the Jeep Corporation, but they're still at the mercy of whoever owned the brand. And if you'd like to know more about uh, AMC's time with Jeep, check out our uh, two-part series on the murder of AMC's uh, CEO by by anarchists. And if you want to learn more about AMC, check out uh, the two-part article on our sister site, The Drive. That's oh. right, baby. We're in the Sink family's The Drive now. We're about nice to take plug. over the world. Dude, I would love to have like a Grand Wagoneer, like an old one, and like put modern stuff in it, like a nice, yeah. like a Hemi. Do you like the new Wagoneer? Yeah, it's a big SUV. I like yeah, it's a big honker. Big old honker. It's enormous. The Grand Wagoneer is insanely big. Yeah, yeah it's a... Big old sweaty honker. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big old hog. We'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. As the 70s became the 80s and the oil crisis came and went, Jeep changed hands from AMC to Renault and eventually to Chrysler. And they replaced the fan favorite CJ with the Wrangler. Even though everything had changed, diehard Jeepers remained loyal. It's still a superior off-road vehicle compared to other SUVs out there, and it's still an icon, just like Jaden Smith. <laughs> The resale value of Jeeps is completely insane. Jeepers buy, sell, and trade their trucks at inflated prices, even though every consumer watchdog is sounding alarm bells about the build quality. Last year, Consumer Reports slammed the Wrangler with a 28 out of 100 rating in the SUV class. For comparison, the Subaru Outback, which is the opposite of a truck, earned an 87 in the same group, and the Kia Telluride scored a 92. A 28 isn't just failing. A 28 is the kid in class that smells. And you got to talk to him. You got to be like, hey, Andy, you got to start wearing deodorant, bud. People are talking about you. (laughs) 
The only reason the Wrangler squeaked by with an F minus minus was because consumer reports really liked the Jeep's classic styling and that the radio had great phone connectivity. They also loved the rugged 4x4 look and feel. Sure, you can still fold down the front windshield, a great feature on the World War II Jeep that allowed you to shoot Nazis without hurting your truck. But now you just kind of spend 30 minutes unscrewing things and then fold the glass down. The A-pillars and roof lines stay in its place so you don't get crushed in a rollover. Uh, yeah, and like they, they don't provide like a strap or anything yeah. for you to like... We had to ratchet strap the windshield down when we were in Colorado, yeah. right? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird. Where the original Jeep was known for its reliability, the Wrangler has lost the threat. Within a few months of the 2020 model being released, a few very serious recalls were issued. Each a bit scarier than last. First, the backup camera stays on for a long time. Then they announced a recall that dealt with fuel leaks that happened near the an ignition source. That's not good. No, that's bad. And as any good caveman knows, you don't want sparks near your openly spraying fuel. Then Jeep put out a warning that their clutches heat up faster than a hot pocket and are, and are at risk for crumbling under the pressure and dropping debris all over the road, the debris being all the bits around the clutch that help the car stay driving. Another recall for the Wrangler was for the weld attaching the lower control arms to the axle, which you don't need to be a mechanic to realize is a crucial part of any vehicle, especially one that's marked for use off the pavement. I heard of, uh, there's like horror stories in r slash cars, and some dude spent, Basically, as much money as you can spend on a Jeep. It was like a Rubicon Gladiator uh-huh. with all the bells and whistles, and he he was wanted it as like a a little like adventure car that he could tow with his RV. And he picked it up at the dealership, attached it to his RV, kept the center diff locked, and towed it for like ten Ooh. miles or something, and completely blew the transmission like the drive everything was just shredded like right off the dealer lot that's his fault yeah oh totally and it wasn't just the newest jeeps with issues older jeeps were plagued with wiring issues and were often not so tastefully modified in garage hack jobs that left them (laughs) barely running or ultra squirrely on the pavement again that's not on jeep (laughs) someone cutting up a car isn't the manufacturer's fault The squirreliness gets even worse. There's a phenomenon called the death wobble. This occurs on Jeeps that are both stock and modified. It's basically when the whole Jeep starts shaking violently in an uncontrollable way. Sounds like me when I'm sad. (laughs) Oh, no, Joe. Uh, This is because of the Jeep's front uh, solid front axle. Um, This isn't a phenomenon you see in independent front suspension. Well, Nolan, there's no one single cause for the Jeep death wobble, but it can be started with a simple bump over a pothole or small rock. It's typically blamed on bad steering stabilizers or poorly installed shocks and struts, but other things like worn tie rods, idler arms, wheel bearings, track bar, ball joints, an off alignment, tarnished pressure, leaning too far to the left or driving on the street can all contribute to the death wobble. That's a lot of things. It's a common enough issue that there are a few class action lawsuits pending against Jeep over said death wobble. Uh, There have also been service bulletins issued on Jeeps in hopes of correcting the issue, but a service bulletin isn't a recall. It's basically just a strong suggestion 
that they don't bother telling anyone about unless they ask. <laughs> Despite all of this, Jeep still sells a few hundred thousand Wranglers a year and about 800,000 other vehicles. Their sales are as trailblazing as the Jeep used to be. The brand was built on the idea of freedom, built purely at its source by the bloodshed and sacrifice of the greatest generation while they killed Nazis. World War II was the greatest PR campaign any product could ever hope for. They parachuted Jeeps onto the beaches of Normandy for the whole world to see. Jeeps were driven into Paris as the city was freed. Concentration camp gates were torn down with chains hooked to the bumpers of Jeeps driven by American soldiers. There hasn't been a product that has gotten that kind of free press ever. And even with all of that, Jeep kind of squandered it. They fell into the same trap everyone else did in the 80s and 90s, turning into SUV makers. That's where the problem lies. Most modern SUVs drive like cars. They get decent gas mileage and handle like big cars. The Wrangler puts itself in the SUV class and competes with other off-road vehicles like the Land Rover Defender, Toyota 4Runner, and the new Bronco. And while the Wrangler is in the same price class as those vehicles, it lacks their amenities across the board. It does have insanely hot heat. Like when I was driving in my friend's, he turned on the heat on low and it was like melting my hand as I was going to shut the vent because it was too hot. <laughs> I love hot, hot heat. <laughs> bandages, bandages, bandages. I used to, uh, in my high school girlfriend, I used to sing that song, but I would say sausages. And oh she man, would I bet she thought it was so funny. Man. She giggled so hard. <laughs> oh man, if I could be a fly on that wall. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Performance-wise, the Wrangler falls behind its competitors. Comfort-wise, it also comes up stiff. And in almost every other metric, like storage, handling, braking, etc., it all falls short. The new Bronco even specs out better off-road packages than the Wrangler, which should be shameful at this point, but it won't matter because Jeep will still keep selling Jeeps as they get further and further away from the original idea. The Wrangler is the only tie-back to the original Jeep. And the rest are a pure simulation of what Jeeps used to be. The appeal of the Jeep is, uh, I think, pretty simple. Is because even if you buy a stock Wrangler uh, with open diffs, you can go to a lot of places. You know, they're very capable still in that in that form. The Wrangler, uh, like we said, we rented one for the high-low finale. That was our production vehicle. It carried all our cameras and a bunch of equipment and other crap. Yeah, it didn't um, have locking diffs, and it went everywhere that our heavily modified Toyota Tacomas went. Yeah, except for that last obstacle. But that was it. I was super impressed. But you take that same vehicle on the road, and it's just not It's not very good, man. I it's try to dog get, slow, super pretty, loud. Yeah, and just the the they don't paint the ceiling. <laughs> they don't just white fabricize all the uh, all like the the knobs and everything. Like the interior just feels very blocky. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's like a Call of Duty f menu from like 2013. Nice. <laughs> um, but I think if you buy a Wrangler or any sort of Jeep, you don't really care about that. At least if you no. buy the Wrangler, you don't care about the on road quality. Even if you only go off road once a year or once the entire time you own it, you know that you can do all that stuff. That's the appeal of Jeep. The Wrangler, at least. All the other ones I'm not so sure about. Um, but the Wrangler, uh, 
is in a, it's a very capable vehicle despite all of its faults and, you know, manufacturing errors and reliability, blah, blah, blah. The Jeep you know owners what? know that. They look cool. They look that cool. Too. And and you know what? With anything that gets as popular as the Jeep, people are going to push back Could on every haters, little man. thing. Name an, no, like besides the Bronco, name another car you can take the doors off of. You can freaking put the windshield down. That's that it. That is pretty sick. Yeah, sick. birds can fly directly into your face. Yeah, it's in 2022, and you can take the doors off of this thing. But we want to hear yeah. from you guys, our listeners. Uh, so putting aside the memes that we post on Instagram, uh, we're honestly just joking. What do you guys think about Jeeps? Let us know by emailing passgas at donutmedia.com, and we might read your response on a future episode. Um, I, I for one, think that uh, Jeeps are amazing. They're amazing? They're amazing. Oh. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing a campaign with Amaze right now. That was super corny. I get it. But uh, our producer was like, I'm going to beat you if you don't mention Omaze in this. So, uh, yeah, I think we're doing a campaign with Omaze right now. We're giving away a Jeep. Uh, all you got to do is enter at omaze.com. That's right. It's a... Uh it's a 392 Wrangler, so it's got the V8 and it's got some other modifications like big tires and uh, some nice suspension and all that. And as proof that we read your emails, we got a response from Josh. Josh! Josh, dude. Classic. This is in regards to our Carlos Ghosn episode. Hey, guys. I think Nolan's is the wisest take on this. Thank you, Josh. Did he you, write Josh. this email, Nolan? Uh, no. Uh, clearly, Gone <laughs> is responsible for some shady stuff, but at the same time, Nissan is very much responsible for some as well. And Gone is not wrong about the enormous problems with the Japanese legal system. But this case, this is such a complicated case, and I honestly think the most important parts are being overlooked. It's not really about Gone at all. It's about Nissan. And in fact, and in fact, about Japanese business and the future of Japan generally. As Joe sensibly mentioned, yes, incompetently yes. deleted emails basically prove the rest of Nissan's upper management decided to close ranks and force Gone and Kelly out. That means Nissan's current management have basically staged a corporate coup, escaped all culpability for their part in the fraudulent accounting, and basically got away with it. But hey, Josh adds, the 400Z is coming, so that's cool, <laughs> right? Uh, Josh, thank you, dude. Josh. Dude, Josh, with the 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 take, man. Um, yeah. Very, very well said. Well, you got called wise, and Joe got called sensible. <laughs> I didn't get called anything. <laughs> and Josh, <laughs> Josh, so, you're cool, man. Email us again at passgas at donutmedia.com if you want to maybe get your email read on the air. Make sure to compliment James. Follow the boys at James Pumphrey, at Joe G. Weber, me, at Nolan J. Sykes. Big thank you to our producer, Thomas Ouellette, Gavin Kinzel, and our writer this week, Jacob Desjardins. Thank you, everyone who makes this show possible. And thank you to you for making this show possible. All right. Goodbye. I love you. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. <laughs> yeah. Here's all I wish as well, and everyone else can go to hell. <laughs> Be kind. See you next time.
Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.